0: All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace being new and fresh every morning, and great is your faithfulness. We thank you for our fellow soldiers in Christ who are willing to stand shoulder to shoulder to bear one another's burdens in obedience to your calling to love one another. Father, we know this is all supernatural, this is all your handiwork, and we thank you for the privilege to be a part of it. Most of all, Father, we thank you for giving up your Son, the greatest expression of your love and grace in the universe. Help us remember him at all times. Help us never forget the ultimate sacrifice when he died for the sins of the entire world on that cross 2,000 years ago. And help us never forget he rose from the grave three days later as proof that he is the Son of God. Father, we ask that you bless this morning's message, make it edifying for our souls, and may it challenge each of us as we hear your calling upon our lives. We ask this in Christ's precious name, by the power of your Spirit, amen. Again, remember, don't forget the grace the Lord your God has shown you. So this morning, I suggest you get your reading glasses on, if you have any. We have several uh, chapters we're going to be going through. And just reading through in context, and, you know, I'm just, again, your tour guide this morning, and we'll see what the Spirit has to convict us of from the Scriptures. We've been noting that God, in His grace, does whatever is best for us, not what's easiest for us. That's like a fallacy kind of built in our flesh, that God's grace means He's going to do whatever's easiest for us all the time. Well, that's really not the best thing for us. Certainly, our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us all. The last couple lessons, the Spirit reminded us to embrace the tough lessons that we've been fed over the years through Pastor Collins. If you've been sticking with it, and if you're honest, you're very grateful for all the Spirit has revealed to us, setting us free from various bondages and giving us the full picture of the gospel itself. But how did these things come about? How did we get to where we are today? with our understanding of the big picture even more. It took tough lessons from the Spirit. It took weeding out a bunch of garbage in our souls. And it was painful, right? It took scraping away garbage and lies and things in our souls that shouldn't have been there. But now look where we are. And this is a great example of how the tough lessons are no less grace than the quote-unquote easy lessons. And, you know, today you might think today is an quote-unquote easy lesson, talking about the grace of God. But there's a challenge, as you're going to see built into it, uh, to not forget these things, or there are consequences. But without the tough love of the Spirit telling us the truth, we wouldn't have the wisdom He's given us right now, right? We needed that. We're no longer trapped into certain man-made doctrines. So we must remember where we came from and be grateful. We've been blessed to see the results of God's grace being honest with us. Think about it that way. We've been blessed to see the results of God's grace being honest with us. Do you really want to go to church and be lied to? Do you really want to go to church and be coddled and told? all the nice things and, and, you know, never a negative word. Um, Do you want to soften? Do you want the Spirit to soften the areas in your life where you're wrong, where you need to open your eyes? I would hope none of you want that, and that's why you're here. We've been blessed to see the results of God's grace being honest with us over the years. That's grace. Thank God He's not accommodating to man but he's willing to do whatever's best for us, even if it hurts. Because he knows it's all good in the end. It's all for our benefit in the end. So again, true grace isn't easy all the time. But it's truthful, it's honest, and that's part of the goodness of God. The goodness of a good father. So on the board, we've been talking about grace and how God will humble us If we aren't already humbled, he'll do that for you, even though it's going to be painful at times, that's grace. And that grace is designed to produce something, namely humility, that opens you up to even more grace. In other words, if God doesn't humble us, we won't be able to receive the greater grace he wants to give us. And what a shame that would be. You know, think of door number one and door number two, right? Door number three. Let's make a deal. Remember that show? Well, how many of you want to settle for the vacuum cleaner when there's a car behind the other door? And God's saying, I want to give you the car behind the other door, but you have to accept that first. You have to accept whatever grace I give you now, even though it might be painful. You might have to say no to that little thing in your life, that vacuum Ladies can appreciate this, I guess. That awesome vacuum. You might have to say no to that and say, I'm okay without it. I don't need it. And then God can open up greater things to you. But he has to humble us first. How many times on the board does he have to humble us first so that we're open and ready to receive more grace? So again, let's be thankful for his grace telling us the truth. His grace cares about what's truly best for us. On the board, let's be thankful. As we finish Thanksgiving weekend, let's be thankful. What a wondrous father we have above. Even though we can't see the end results as we go through the tough lessons, look how far he's taken you or us. While you're going through it, you can't see the results. It takes faith trusting God. But look how far He's taken you so far. You're still alive, aren't you? So this is an introduction to our topic today. Remember, don't forget the grace the Lord your God has shown you. This is a warning found throughout Scripture, stated both ways, remember and don't forget, because there are consequences when we don't remember when we do forget so you know just some questions to get you thinking a little bit here do you remember all that the Lord has saved you from maybe you do when you stop and take the time to think about it but do you remember all that the Lord has saved you from on a daily basis do you remember what you were before Christ Do you remember your sins and failures that he's forgiven you? Maybe it'd be good to count them and list them. Do you remember the situations he rescued you from? Maybe even times you should have been dead. I can think of a few times that I could have or should have been dead. And only God's grace, I believe, rescued me out of those situations. And those are the things that we have to look back to and say, wow as you start to get a little puffed up in your life. Wow, you know what? I remember that time that I should have been dead, that I deserved to be dead, maybe for doing something stupid or whatever. And God somehow just (laughs) whisked me away, took me out of it. And that's why it's good to take the time to remember these things. And when we get so busy with life, we get so wrapped up in the things that we have and the blessings of God even, that we forget to remember these wonderful things that ground us, that keep us in the truth so that we don't buy the lie and so that we don't live a life of deception. You're still alive for a purpose. If you're still alive, God still has a purpose and plan for your life. And I pray that everyone listening to my voice right now never, ever forgets that. You could be gone. He could have taken you already. Why didn't He? Because He still has a plan for your life. It's really that simple. We remember these things that He saved us from when we take the time to remember them. And this is a really valuable exercise. But on the board, one of the curses upon mankind as part of the sinful nature we're born with is to forget the goodness of God in our lives. Boy, we have short memories. <laughs> I mean, you know, someone, someone gives you a gift, someone pays your debt, and then the next day you're trying to steal money from them. <laughs> or you're, you're totally not giving them the credit for paying your debt, you're giving yourself credit for paying your debt. I mean, we're ridiculous. Sin nature is just so nasty. But one of the curses of mankind is this, that the sinful flesh feeds us to forget the goodness of God in our lives. And then we even take it a step further. We take credit ourselves for the good things that we have and do. The Lord often, often warns us in Scripture to not forget His kindness in our lives and to not forget all that He forgave us from and rescued us from. On the board, regarding God's grace, we've been given the phrase, live in the gospel reality. This is a daily call to even remember our salvation. And as we know, the Spirit has trained us well in this over the last couple of years, like... Why do you you forget about your, your salvation? Why do you forget about and say, oh, I'm beyond that now? That's what it's all about. And he continues saving us every day. So we've been given this phrase by the Spirit, live in the gospel reality. Live as a saved child of God every day with the faith of a child. To live each day thanking God that he saved you from yourself. And from sin and death. When's the last time you thought about it that way? Think about how God has saved you from yourself. Your lies, your ways. From relying on yourself. Thinking you're sufficient, you're good. I mean, it's a, ugh, it's a mud pile, it's a mud pit. And he dragged you out of that thing. So every day he wants us to just live in that simple reality with the faith of a child. In other words, we might say remember all the Lord has saved you from. Each day you're alive and breathing. We'll get to that later. But every morning on the board, every morning we should wake up and say, "Lord, thank you for another day just to be alive. I don't deserve it. Thank you for another day." to be alive, and thank you for granting me the gift of eternal life. We mustn't forget to do that. And it really is as simple as that. If you can't start out any other way in your day, maybe you don't feel like praying. We've all been there. Just don't feel like praying. Maybe you're in pain physically or emotionally going through something very difficult right now. That's very fair, and God understands. But this is a very simple remembrance of His grace in your life that sets your mind where it needs to be for the day. That simple thanks on the board. Anyone can do that in any condition. That's all He wants from us is a grateful heart. And that sets our mind for the whole day to realize We're nothing without Him. And to remember the goodness of God. And we know the Lord is so patient with us, isn't He? I mean, when I think about how patient God is with me sometimes, I just, I I cry sometimes. I literally get tears in my eyes because I realize He doesn't have to be. He shouldn't be by my judgment. Thank God it's not my judgment He goes by. But he knows our weakness so well, and he's so, so patient with us. He knows our fleshly tendency to quickly forget all the good he's done in our lives. He knows that too. He knows our tendency to focus on the negative and complain about what we don't have. That's like our our story (laughs) for many of us. But on the board... God in His grace warns us as a good father would and disciplines us at times as a good father would so that we don't lose our way and forget Him, becoming proud in our heart, buying the lie that we're something without Him, buying the lie that we don't need Him every day. There's that word need again. Not like need a new sweater like need food to eat to survive. And we've seen this in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 8. Again, God in his grace warns us as a good father does and disciplines us as a good father does so that we don't lose our way and forget him, becoming proud in our heart, buying the lie that we're something without him, that we don't need him every day. The Israelites had this problem in the Old Testament. And the Lord even warned them about it in advance before they forgot his faithfulness to them and how he saved them from slavery in Egypt. He warned them about it. He told them it was going to happen. He's like, don't do this or this is going to happen. And they did it anyway. And remember, when we go to the Old Testament and we see the discussion about God saving the Jews from Egypt... Egypt represents the world in Scripture. So to us, that's saying God has rescued us from slavery to the world. So that's how we should correlate it when we read the Old Testament. So go in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And as God is talking to the Jews here, saying, hey, remember I rescued you from Egypt, from the slavery? You should be thinking remember how God remembered you from slavery to sin and the world. He saved us and delivered us believers from slavery to sin and therefore from eternal death. Deuteronomy 8, 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply And go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. There's something that should humble you, us. He will humble us and test us to find out what's really in our heart. And if we'll obey his commands or not, you might be like, why is God not let me have this? Or why has God taken this away from me? Here's your answer. A lot of the time. Verse three, he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. In other words, remember those grace provisions I gave you? Remember, the Jews were wandering in the desert for 40 years before God let them go into the promised land. And God's saying, Do you remember how I provided I didn't even let your clothes wear out and your feet didn't even swell with all that desert walking? That was me. Do you remember? Look at verse 5. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Again, verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. In other words, remember to thank Him for the grace provisions. Verse 11, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who has brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint, in the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, and that he might humble you, and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. There's our reminder that even God's discipline is grace. His grace does what's best for us, what's good for us in the end. Verse 17. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you today that you will surely perish. For us, that would be getting attached to the things in the world. Again, verse 19. If you shall, It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish. What gods do we have? Not little statues and idols and things like that that they dealt with. Money, I would argue, might be our greatest idol in this country. Sex might be our greatest idol in this country. Is that The God you turn to and worship? Just asking. We're we're warned in verse 19. if If it comes about you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods, you shall perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish. Because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Do you think the Lord is serious about this stuff or what? It's not like this is what I'd like you to do. This is what you need to do. One thing's for sure. It will be to our own harm if we forget all the grace God has shown us. It's like a child laughing in the face of a good father or a good mother for all that they've done for them. May that day never come in any of our lives. We know the Bible says God is a jealous God. And when you think about it, how could we forget his grace when he spared our very lives for all eternity? And to top it off, he did that by judging his own son, who was innocent. How do we forget? How do we go through our day and not think about him and what he did for us? Well, we're sinful idiots, honestly. We still have a flesh we carry around, even if you're already saved and have turned to Christ. But God's warning us. He's like, remember. Do you you realize the magnitude of what I've done for you? You did the day that you were saved. Why don't you remember it now? What's the problem? Go to Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and grandsons. Notice that phrase, keep your soul diligently so that you don't forget. And this is a reminder that it's your soul. You only have one soul, and no one can help you take care of your own soul but you. And of course, the Lord himself, if you turn to him. But it's your soul, and we're actually told here, keep your soul diligently. In other words, this is for you. This is a command to you. You have the ability or the responsibility to do this. Keep your soul diligently. It's our God-given responsibility as part of the free will God gave us to keep our soul diligently so we don't fall for the lies in this world and forget about our Lord. Again, God loves us so much. He's like warning us. He's like telling us, keep your soul diligently. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Be careful what you see. Why do you say that? Watch out because you will be sucked into the lies. You will be deceived very easily if you don't keep your soul diligently. If you don't remember all that the Lord your God has done for you. God will hold each of us accountable as any good father would hold his own son accountable for all the blessings he gave him. With blessing comes responsibility, right? What God has done for us is awesome beyond words when you think about eternal salvation and yet we live for ourselves so what's the what's the the protection against that to be humble every day and remember what the Lord your God has done for you that's your protection against falling into the pride that the Israelites fell into their heart became proud from all the blessings God gave them. May we never fall into that trap. And we all do from time to time, but God is, God is like progressing us. He's taking us. You know, He wants us more and more to become like His Son. He's transforming our mind. And that's why what you're doing right here, right now, is so important. You're submitting to the Word of God. And that's how the Spirit transforms our mind and our soul. He's taken us places. You see, he doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he's taken us places. And he doesn't want us to forget all of his goodness. Go to Psalm 106, verse 21. Psalm one hundred six, twenty-one. It's your soul. No one can guard it for you. You're the only one with yourself 24 hours a day. Thank God for that, right? Psalm 106, 21 and 22. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wonders in the land of Ham, and awesome things by the Red Sea. Now in our arrogance we say, how could they forget? They saw the Red Sea parted, right? They saw the plagues in Egypt. Well, as the generations passed, they didn't see it with their own eyes. The grandsons and the great-grandsons of those Jews that were saved from Egypt, they were told about these things. So let's not get all arrogant as we forget the blessings God has done for us one of the greatest prayers any of us could probably pray is found in proverbs chapter 30 go to proverbs 30 verse 7 and let's pay very close attention to these words in humility Because any one of us can fall if we lose sight of his grace in our lives. Proverbs 30, verse 7. Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion that I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Wonderful prayer. On the board, yes, you. When we forget the Lord and how he saved us by his grace, we begin to cheat on God with the world. When we forget the Lord and how He saved us by His grace, we begin to cheat on God with the world. What's the only reason we, f- we chase things in the world for happiness? Because we forget how awesome and wonderful He was to us and is to us. That's the only reason. If we were always remembering And this, you know, we're not perfect. Nobody can always remember 100% of the time. But if we were habitually remembering how God saved us from the depth of our sins, we'd be happy. We'd be so grateful we wouldn't be looking for any, any other lover in the world besides God. So it's our curse. And it is our own responsibility when we forget the Lord and how he saved us by his grace. That's when we begin to cheat on God with the world. That's why Proverbs 30 is such a great prayer. Verses 7 through 9 there. It's like, you know what, Lord, I don't want too much money because then I'll forget about you. And I don't want too little either because I would not want to steal and go against your word. Just give me enough. Let me be, you know, humble and not forget about you. And that's a lesson for us Americans. That's a statement for us Americans, big time, because of the prosperity we have. So hopefully the point on the board won't be any of us listening to this message today. It's only when we forget in our arrogance that these problems in our lives come about and we bring them upon ourselves. Because of one simple reason, we forget the grace that we've been shown. Go to Ezekiel 16, verse 1. Ezekiel 16, verse 1. Now, this passage gets a little bit graphic, so to speak, but God has a way of doing that, to open our eyes and remember how wretched we really are without Him. Ezekiel 16, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God of Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth... On the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloths. No eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were were abhorred on the day you were born. So this is an analogy to how the world treated Israel. And God was reminding them how he came to their rescue. Verse 6. When I, the Lord speaking, when I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. I made you numerous like plants of the field. Then you grew up, became tall, and reached the age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water, washed off your blood from you, and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandals of porpoise skin on your feet, and I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands, and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your dress was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil, so you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor which I bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. But you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot because of your fame and you poured out your harlotries on every passerby who might be willing. You took some of your clothes, made for yourself high places of various colors, and played the harlot on them, which should never have come about or happened. You also took your beautiful jewels made of my gold and of my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images that you might play the harlot with them. Then you took your embroidered cloth and covered them and offered my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread, which I gave you, fine flour, oil, and honey, which I fed you, you would offer before them for a soothing aroma. So it happened, declares the Lord God. Moreover, you took your sons and daughters whom you had born to me, and sacrifice them to idols to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and offered them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. Besides all your abominations and harlotries, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare and squirming in your blood. How far did God take the Jews? from death, from no love, from abandonment, to royalty. And then they forgot the days of their youth. And we all do that, right? We all forget how gracious God has been to us, even though we don't deserve it. And think about it. If you're a believer in Christ, you belong to God. We're his creation, but now we're also his children by grace through trusting in Christ. So remember the hopeless place God rescued you from. Remember, Ephesians says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. It doesn't get any worse, in other words, where God took you from. But we forget, conveniently so that we can live our own lives as though they belong to us. Remember the hopeless place God rescued you from. On the board, regarding regarding God's grace, how evil it is to forget our very life and breath only exists by the Lord. Isn't that evil when you think about it? If it's true that God gave us our very life, if God let us be born, if God gave us our breath, and our heartbeat, and gives us food every day, if that's all true, isn't it evil to forget that he's the very reason we're still alive right now and breathing? Satan would love us to forget this each and every day. That's why those fiery darts keep coming at your soul, to distract you from the goodness of God in your life, from the mercy of God in your life. Everyone take a deep breath right now. God, everyone's doing it. Don't be weird. (sighs) Take a deep breath, really. That breath that just came out of your mouth was by the grace of God. And he can shut it off anytime he wants. He can snap the heart string, as the Bible says, anytime he wants. Every breath that we breathe, our, our vision, all of our senses are gifts from God but we quickly forget. Again on the board, how evil it is to forget our very life and breath only exists by the Lord. saint would love us to forget that each and every day. We act like spiritual teenagers, forgetting the grace and wisdom of our Heavenly Father, causing discipline to come upon us and wake us up. Unless we humbly remember the grace the Lord God has shown us each and every day. And that's maturity. That's like a mature child of God. How do you be mature? Have the faith of a child. Okay, you want to see how God thinks as opposed to us? Remember, each and every day, one day at a time, the grace the Lord has shown you with proper fear, respect, and humility. And that's a mature child of God. On the board, it says in Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Forget none of his benefits. And notice it says, Bless the Lord. On the board, the word bless is the Hebrew word borach, and it means to kneel by implication, to bless God as an act of adoration. Might we say, remember to bless the Lord. Don't forget to bless the Lord, to praise Him for the grace, for all of His benefits. Turn your Bibles to Revelation 2, verse 1. That's why it's good to kneel. Uh, I don't know about some of you, but, you know, I've I've been me- kneeling a little bit more in my prayer life, and there's something about the physical relationship between the body and the soul, you know, the mind and the body that, um, you know, gets you to be in a more humble position, but, um, you know, take that for what it's worth and pray about that. But that word on the board, to bless the Lord, it, it means to kneel, whether it's physically or In your soul, you kneel to him, you bow to him by implication to bless God as an act of adoration. So in other words, don't forget, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord and forget none of his benefits. Revelation 2 verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my namesake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. And repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Verse 4 again. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen. Like the Jews when they were this baby unattended and tossed aside in the wilderness, that God came in and rescued and not only made healthy but brought to royalty. That's We're in the same boat, folks, when you consider where we were in sin and death, under condemnation, guilty in God's eyes, without hope. So if that's what he rescued us from, why do we forget our first love for Jesus Christ? We forget from where we've fallen. We forget all the guilt and wretchedness that God saved us from. And so he calls us to repent, to admit our guilt and turn back to him in humility, remembering all the grace he showered us with over the years, remembering all the things he saved us from over the years. Remember the grace you've been shown. Look at Revelation 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Remember what you've received and heard. We only get in trouble when we stop remembering. On the board, in Second Peter 1, verse 12 and 13, Peter says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth truth you now have. You know, some of you are sitting here today in this Bible study and hearing these things and saying, I already know that. I already know about the grace and what God saved me from sin and death. Do you? Do you remember those things as fully as you should? Peter says, I'm always going to remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Life is short, folks, and we have a bad tendency to forget any grace we've been shown by anybody. Forget the Lord God himself. We forget the mercy we've been shown even though we deserve judgment. So why did Peter write this? Why did he say it was so good to be reminded of these things? He knows our weakness. He truly was one of us. He failed miserably at times. He knows through the Spirit our human tendency to forget the goodness of God in our lives, the kindness and the mercy of God's grace in our lives. He knows. To Like the Israelites did, Enter into pride for the blessings we have. He knows that tendency we have. To forget the one who gave us all the blessings that we have. Your ability to see, your ability to think, your ability to work. Any things that you own that make you comfortable. Any finances you have. He doesn't have to give any of it to to us. And it's all from him. And what do we do? We enter into pride and take some credit for the blessings we have. So when people hear of our fame, like the Israelites, remember that? All the nations, they knew Israel was famous because of what they'd been through and how God spared them, even from the Red Sea, from the Egyptians. They were famous. And what did the fame do? went to the head. They're like, yeah, you know what? We are something else. We're a strong people. Not, oh, God rescued us when we had no weapons and the Egyptians were closing in on us and he opened the Red Sea up. No, generation time passes, time passes. We forget. You say, you know what? We were a good army. We're good fighters. And there's the pride sneaking in. And we all do that to our God, right? Let's be honest. Let's not condemn ourselves. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be honest with Him and with ourselves. We all do that to our God. We forget the one who gave us the blessings. And this is why we should thank God every time our pastor reminds us of certain principles, which the Spirit wants him to repeat in various ways. Because those are the things that save us. Those are the things that deliver us. Many times you think you're delivered and you're not. You're not there yet. You might have the knowledge but you haven't fully accepted it humbly yet. And so the Spirit keeps working on us and weaving and coming at us from different angles, sometimes on the same subject. That is God's grace to fully deliver us from the garbage in our souls. And we get a lot of it. Amen? Let's admit it. We get a lot of it. But that's the way to deliverance. And another thing to remember as we begin to close our our lesson, we were all the enemy of God at one point. Do you forget that too, that God considered you his enemy because you were a sinner? Do you forget that? Or do you think, oh, I was a pretty good person, so, you know. (laughs) On the board, God's grace. God reached down and saved us while we were his enemies, according to the scripture. That should be the root of all of our remembrance of God's grace. That that was our horrible position to be in. Considered enemies of the living God, the one that even gave you life. Romans 5, 6 through 10, and Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. That's living in the gospel reality. Remembering God saved us from the depths of sin and death from enemieship. How does an enemy who rightfully should have been destroyed forget the grace and mercy that he's been shown and being allowed to live and in our case, even being given new life? How does an enemy forget that type of mercy? We're sinners, right? I mean, think of an army uh, and this happened to the Jews throughout the Old Testament. Think of an army where The Jews maybe, you know, had a certain nation that they did not totally destroy, that they let live. And then after time passes, right, you forget the mercy you were shown. And then you rise up against the ones that let you live. Shouldn't even be alive. And we rise up against the one that let us live. It's Crazy, isn't it? But that's how nasty the sin nature is. And so we were enemies of God. And we have the opportunity to remember his grace and mercy upon us. There couldn't be anything greater than, uh, to forget than the mercy we've been shown. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2, verse 1. Again, remember where God has taken you from, how God has rescued you from that abandonment on the side of the road so to speak squirming in your blood as Ezekiel said I mean let's be honest there's nothing good about us Ephesians 2 1 and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Again, remember all God saved you from. You wretch. I say that with love on Sunday morning. You wretch. And that hurts our pride, doesn't it? But... That's what the Bible says. We're all wretched. We're all born in sin. We're all rebels against his authority. Some of you might say, I was never that bad of a person. I never hurt anybody, right? Well, what about your arrogance? What about your pride where you thought you were good enough without God? What about how you forgot that anything good about you was actually from God, even the good parts of your personality, that the good traits you have are from God? What about that you forget that? Which one's more disgusting? Which one is more disgusting, the teenager who lies and steals, or the teenager who thinks his crap don't stink? <laughs> Sorry, that's the best way to get it across. Which one is more disgusting? Who do you want to hang out with? Recall the warning received from the Spirit for several lessons now. We are all wretched without our God and Savior. On the board, Revelation 3.17. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched. let me repeat, you are wretched. One more time. <laughs> you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Who is this said to in Revelation chapter three? You might think he's talking unbelievers here, right? Revelation three is to the church. to the church. You say you're rich, you're wealthy, you have need of nothing. I don't really need you, God. I'll call you when I need you, but I'm going to live my own life. You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. We're all more wretched than we think we are. A Great Sunday morning message, huh? We're all more wretched than we think we are. Just remember some of the wretched thoughts that enter your soul from time to time. Only turning to Christ with a humble heart can rescue us from such wretchedness. Both before salvation and after salvation, as we live a life of repentance and and thankfulness for his mercy. Only turning to Christ with a humble heart can rescue us from such wretchedness. And that's one day at a time, folks. Every day you breathe. Every day you give thanks to God for another day and you try to bring Him glory that day. How do you do it? You turn to Christ with a humble heart because he can rescue you from your wretchedness. And he does. So back to Ephesians 2 verse 1 as we close. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, verse 11, as we close. I know you're tired and stuff, but pay attention. Verse 11. No, this is very important. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. In other words, if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. And if you're Gentile, you were not part of God's people. You were excluded. And he's saying, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, they called you the uncircumcision. The Jews made fun of you. You're the uncircumcision. You're not accepted by God. Called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ." And in verse 19, look at verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. How about remembering that place where we've fallen from, where we were? On the board, remember his grace. Is there anything we should be more grateful for formerly being outcasts and excluded from God's people to being grafted into the vine in Romans 11, to being fully adopted by grace, Ephesians 1.5, as children of the living God? Is there anything we should be more grateful for than that, that God included us, that God accepted us that God gave us the opportunity to be saved and become part of his people. Is there anything we should be more grateful for, formerly being outcasts and, and excluded from God's people, to being grafted into the vine, to being fully adopted by grace as children of the living God? Most of us in this room are Gentiles, not Jewish. Jewish. That means we have even more to be grateful for considering, considering we were formerly excluded. And we're part of the miracle of God whereby only God in his power and grace can convert the enemy, the ungodly, to a friend and give him also full rights and full forgiveness at the same time. Only God can do that and that is the miracle of the grace of God that we take for granted every single day, but the Spirit is simply saying, remember the grace the Lord your God has shown you. And as we go, that's what He wants you to do each and every day. You know, don't just leave here and say, you know, that was a good message, and i got to remember that. No, make a decision in your soul to say, you know what, I've been wrong. I've been out of line. I need to remember every day The grace. Our Heavenly Father loves us with a perfect love. And that means all things are allowed in your life for your ultimate good. May we never forget that. So let's close with a video and then we'll close in prayer. bow and every eye closed, please. Father, we thank you again for this morning's message, for helping us remember that all good things come from you, our Father above. And that all good things aren't always the easiest things, but they are the best things for us. We thank you, Father, for your endless love revealed to us in many forms of grace in our lives. We praise your name, and please help us forget none of your benefits and give you glory for our very lives and breath each day. And If anyone is listening to my voice right now who has never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to save them, I'm here to remind you that you are a sinner, and you have no hope of saving yourself. Jesus tells us to deny ourselves to pick up our cross and follow him. And that begins with admitting you cannot save yourself. No man is good enough. Jesus also said, repent and believe the gospel. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father but through him. So now is your chance to humble yourself before him Trust in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Father, may you bless all of us traveling from this local assembly. We ask that you help us bring these principles out to a lost and dying world that needs it so desperately, and help us remember your grace each and every day, Father. It's in Christ's precious name we pray, by the power of your Spirit. Amen.